Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host, and we are at episode 49. (laughs) So one more will be episode 50. Never, ever thought I'd get this far. Um, But this episode is um, starting off with a thank you to all my listeners. Um, But the main premise of this um, episode is explaining while keeping your composure. And, you know, when counselors talk to us, it's easier said than done. You know, a lot of times they're giving us textbook, you know, um, you know, advice. Or when somebody else gives you advice, it's always easier said than done. And myself, I, 90% of the advice that I've given you guys, um, you know, a lot of the stuff I haven't applied myself. Um, but I know it would work in other people's relationships. And, you know, um, so I figure if I can help other people that's pretty much been the dynamics behind my uh, uh, my podcast you know besides kind of been kind of a self-help for myself as well um but anyways without blabbing on too much here on the intro thank you again for listening and let's get on with the episode Hello everybody, Brad Shattuck here, your host, and I've got a question for you. How many of you have time to read a book? I know I sure don't. I think in the past three years, I've probably read one book, and even that was a task. I signed up at Audible.com about six months ago, and I'll tell you, since then, I've probably gone through 12 books, specifically about mental health disorders and uh, reading about DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, and specifically on borderline personality disorder. So if any of you are looking to read up about that disorder, and if you have it or whether you don't have it, there's a lot of great books out there. But they also have thousands and thousands of titles on everything from romance, thrillers, crime novels, you name it, they got it. So our listeners right now can take advantage of a special offer, 30-day free trial, no obligation, and you get two free books. That's like a $50, $60 value. That's pretty good. So if you go into the show notes, you'll see the link there, click it, take advantage of the offer, and thank you for listening. 
Hello, everybody. Again, thank you and welcome back. And like I said, this is episode number 49. One more away from episode 50, I would have never thought it um, would have come this far. You know, in the beginning, I originally um, used to send recordings to myself. Sometimes I used to say, wow, I sound pathetic, you know. Um, but what I used to do is pretend I was talking to my wife and I would play it back to see how I could improve on how I said things or the tone of my voice. And, you know, sometimes I, I would say, I'm like, wow, I sound pathetic or, you know, it doesn't sound believable, you know, cause she knows me as well as I know myself and vice versa. So, you know, I would use it as kind of like a training tool. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I would actually record and, you know, wish I had the guts to send these to her, but I, I had never done that. Um, so, like I said in the beginning, it became more of a, a self-therapeutic way of, you know, getting release. Um, I didn't have a counselor to talk to at the time. Um, and then even when I did, there was a lot of things I didn't discuss with her because I knew she was just going to tell me to, you know, uh, focus on my own, um, you know, treatment. And you can't change somebody else. And um, as a matter of fact, just uh, three months ago, I had played a few little uh, snippets here and there of my podcast, my, my um, counselor. And she said, wow, she said, just like everybody, you give such great advice to other people, you just don't take it yourself. And I asked her, you know, why, why do we do that? And she said, a lot of times, it's because, you know, just like, um, here's an example, I had a, um, I was a professional skater from 1981 through 86. I was Northeast men's regional champion, um, I have over 53 gold medals, silver medals. Um, I have a couple of bronze medals. Most of the time, they're first, second place. Um, and my last skating teacher, he was overweight. Um, I think if he put a pair of skates on, he'd probably fall on his ass. But he could tell me all the moves I needed to make and all the imperfections I was making, but he couldn't do them himself. You know, it's the same way. Just like I know I could go out there now and teach somebody to be, you know, an Olympic champion, but I couldn't be doing, you know, what I'm teaching. So it's not co completely, you know, out of, you know, this world to be able to give good advice or teach somebody something and not be able to do it yourself. Um, but anyways, what today's episode is more about is some of the things that I did learn that did um, actually become, they actually were successful. You know, back in the day, you know, when my wife would accuse me of, um, you know, going to the store, you know, and you would normally would take, you know, 30 minutes or 35 minutes. And if I was going 40 minutes, you know, all of a sudden I was having an affair and I used to make fun of her. And I said, okay, so let me guess in between the, um, the pickle aisle and the Captain Crunch aisle, I must have, you know, banged this girl, you know, in between, you know, Captain Crunch and, and Cocoa Puffs, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, you know, and it used to hurt her feelings. And I didn't realize that because one day she was crying and I came and I said, geez, you went from screaming to crying. What's wrong? And she's like, it's the way you made fun of me. She's like, I just want you to love me. And, you know, maybe I really don't believe those things, but... I want to see how you react and you make fun of me. It's an honest fear. I, you know, I don't have a job. I don't have any, you know, skills. You know, if you were to leave me and abandon me, I wouldn't be able to take care of the kids. You know, I just don't know what to do. 
So maybe it was more of a test and you made fun of me. And at that very moment, I said, well, if you don't, you know, maybe if we sit down and talk about it, <coughs> excuse me. And, you know, she would say, well, it's not something just to come out in discussion. I just kind of threw it out there because I remember one time she said I was like 10 or 15 minutes later than I usually take going to the store and coming back. And there was um, a movie she was watching on TV that had, um, you know, a husband cheating on her spouse. And of course, it came to mind and she kind of threw it out there. And I felt bad. I broke down and I said, honey, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know how to react when you say something like that. Like, to me, it's ridiculous for you to think that way because I would never leave you. You're, you're everything. You you complete you complete me in every way possible, mentally and physically. You're, you're there, you know, when I'm upset, when I'm stressed, um, when I'm crying, you comfort me. So everything mentally you know, you, you, you're there for me. And physically, we, we're both physically attracted to each other. Even when she was down on herself, you know, when she would get up to, you know, close to 200 pounds and, and she's like, you know, but look at me, I, I'm overweight, you know, and at the time I had a really good job and, you know, I kept well of myself and, you know, um, I'm not saying it was great looking, but I, I wasn't homely. And she's like, you know, you could have better than me. And I said, Michelle, I said, physical attraction isn't everything. Because you know what? I've always said, when the lights go out at night, it doesn't matter if somebody's got a good body or they're good looking. It's that feeling you have. I've always said to her, when they say love is blind, don't just think of it that way. Excuse me. I definitely forgot to put <laughs> my phone on vibrate. And um, But what I'm trying to say is... Um, you know, I, I told her it's not always just physical attraction. You know, at night when the lights go out and I'm cuddling up to you, it doesn't matter what you look like if you have makeup on or if your hair is done. It's that closeness and that feeling. And she said, yeah, but when the lights are on and you're out in public, don't you want to be seen with somebody beautiful and somebody who's got a good body? And I said, Michelle, I do. And she said, what do you mean? You do. I said, I do. You I do have somebody that's beautiful. I do have somebody with a beautiful body. And she said, you know, I know you're just saying that to make me feel good. And I said, of course I'm saying that to make you feel good. But I'm also telling you the truth of something that makes should make you feel good. I said, Michelle, how long have we been together? And we've broken up here and there. We've had our spats. But when we both left of whoever we were with dating you know a week here or two you know because we met each other i was 18 she was 16 so you know she was my first real love she was my first actually real girlfriend real person i really dated she was the first person i ever made love to i said there's something there that is always going to be a connection michelle and i said we have children together i'm not willing to give all that up for what there is nothing there's nothing more that i'm ever out there looking for than what I have right in front of me. And that's why I married you, because I am a serious person when it comes to vows. When I make a promise, it, my my word is my vow. Unless there's something beyond my control or extenuating circumstances, I don't just throw a handshake out there or a promise. I said, Michelle, when I looked at you on that altar, I can remember that day, even like right now. <laughs> I loved her 
in the eyes. I made a connection. And I said, I looked you dead in the eyes. In every word I meant, when I said sickness and health, better for worse, richer for poor, I said, I meant everything. And I said, do you remember when I said all those things? I held your hands tight and I shook them. And I said, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I love you. And I said, remember, I always added that part and I shook your hands because I really meant it. And I still do. And I said, if there was ever anything that was going to make me not stray, but um, fall away from you, I would have a discussion with you. I wouldn't just up and abandon you. I'd just like not come home one day and leave you a Dear John letter. I would never do that. I would discuss something with you first. And I said, we've done that in the past. I said, and it was actually, I thought you were falling for somebody else. And she actually did. She was the one that cheated on me before we got married. When we were married, she cheated on me, at least that I know, seven times. That I know for a fact. And I said, and then... I was nice enough to let one of my friends come live with us two different times, two different friends. And as soon as I went to work, they went in the bedroom and their clothes came off. Harry, I'm working my ass off. And I said, the only thing that makes me mad is that you worry about me, Strand. Are you worried that I would do it to get back at you or feel that I had the right to because you did it? I said, you didn't even give it a second thought. As soon as you looked out the window and you saw my car was out of reach, you'd open up the window so you could hear if I came back. And you guys took your clothes off and you guys, and I'll say fucked because you didn't make love and took advantage of me. And then when I came home, you know, it was all like nothing ever happened. I was just being played. And it's not happened just once, but twice that I knew of. So I said, it's your own, you know, um, you know, what you did was anytime somebody gives you a little bit of attention, you grab it anywhere you can instead of looking at the one person who's giving you constant attention. But anyways, the point I'm trying to get to is um, in, the, in the past, like I should say when we first got back together after the divorce um, these past three years, I um, when she would accuse me, instead of me getting upset, I would sit down and I would just look at her and I would pause. And she would be like, don't give me that look. And I go, and what, what look is that? And she's like, oh, this look, you're going to tell me I'm crazy and this and that. I said, no, I'm not going to tell you you're crazy. You have your own feelings. I don't know what brought these feelings off. Did I not tell you, you know, I loved you more than I did yesterday? I don't know. But I said, what really hurts my feelings is, is this is what brings us apart. And, and my point trying to be is try to hold your composure as much as you can. They're going to try to plague you and bring you out of your composure but as much as you can, stick with it. And I'll tell you why. Because it does work a lot of the times. And one time I said, I just, it hurts me. Because you know what? I thought we were going to have a wonderful evening together. Any time that I'm spending with you and we're not arguing is a wonderful day. If somebody says, how's your day going? And I say, you know what? If I'm not arguing with my wife, it's the best day than it was better than the day before. And I said, you know what? We were having a great time up until now, and now you just ruined it. Unless, unless you don't have to apologize, but if we can drop this right now and you not think this anymore, then we can continue on to have a great night. I would love to lay with you and watch a movie or, or play a game of cards or 
sit here and just listen to you if you want to get something off your chest, if there's something that's bothering you. And sometimes you cut me off and go, come on, I know what you're trying to do, play this little mind fuck fuck thing. And she's like, you're not going to, you know, take me away from what I'm thinking. I said, okay, I'm not trying to. And as a matter of fact, I'm really hurt. I'm not even mad. I'm not upset. Because sometimes women will say, um, you know, the people that deny or get upset, that shows guilt. I don't think so because there's been a million times that I've gotten angry and I was not guilty. So you got to take each person, you know, on how they react. So um, I remember this one night and and I said to her, I said, you know, if you want to drop this right now and not make any more mention of it for the night, I won't either. I don't know what brought this on. If you want to discuss it, that's fine. And she goes, what? So I can lead you off on your little things that tip me off? And I said, no. Whatever I did to tip you off, that's, you know, you can put in your little mental handbag. And she goes, my what? I said, you know, like people say, you know, people carry baggage with them. I call it your mental handbag. You know, your little part in your mind where you keep notes and keep track of things. You know, I'm not making fun of mental illness. I'm just saying mental handbag. You know, when I said, I'm not going to, you know, if this thing's, but, you know, what I used to tell her was, um, you hurt my feelings. Because I thought all day we had a great day. I thought everything was going good. And now we're going to have an argument. Or at least you're going to have an argument. Because I'm not going to argue with you. Because right now, you just emotionally drain me. You know, I love you. And like I said, if you want to forget this and not mention any more of it tonight, please. And she goes, well, I'll forget it for tonight. But don't. I don't want you near me because there's some things that I'm thinking and until I can figure them out. And I said, you know what? That's fine. If you want to do it that way, that's fine. Let's just do that. But I said, just don't punish me for something you're thinking. Because I know in my heart, I haven't done nothing. I'm not going to do anything. I love you. And I was really looking forward to a night tonight. And I said, I don't know if you picked up. I've just been a little down, a little depressed. Nothing that you're doing, just nature. But I was hoping that, you know, what would really... What I was looking forward to is, and I told her this, anytime I ever had a bad day, I would always picture, close my eyes, and just think of cuddling up with her on the couch and having my arm around her and having one little throw blanket that we shared and have her head on my shoulder. And I'd slowly start stroking her hair and kissing her on top of the head and just telling her, I love you. I'm so glad I'm with you. And that, to me, would make all my problems go away. And um, I remember one time she said, yeah, I know whenever you have a problem, I'm always right there to, um, you know, to take your problems away. What about when I have problems? And I said, and I try to be there for you as well. I'm just saying my, <clears throat> excuse me, my therapy was closing my eyes and thinking of the end of the night that I could cuddle up with you. And just no matter if the problems were real or not, I had the most important thing in my arms that meant everything to me, that made everything just make come together and and be okay at the end of the night was having my arms around you. You know, I don't know what you do to, you know, look forward to clearing your mind, but, but, you know, I want to be there and in your thought or physically to take care of your, you know, your thoughts. Um, But there was many times she would accuse me and I remember just putting my bags down and just hanging my head down, shaking my head. Not again tonight. I just really wanted to have a good night with you. And I would just, you know, instead of putting the groceries away or whatever, I would just go down, sit down. I wouldn't touch my phone or anything. And I would just stare, like, at the blank TV or stare at the wall, the floor. And um, 
And she would make comments, you know, trying to plug me along, saying, what's the matter? You, you pissed now? You got caught? Or you were? You got caught? Nothing to say? I said, Michelle, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, how, how can I defend my innocence or, you know, defend myself when I'm, I didn't do anything? If you're going to think something, you know, all I can say is, I've always told you, looking towards the end of the night, being with you, just made anything wrong feel right. And whether the problems were real or not, or just in my head, just holding you. You were my teddy bear. You were my comfort. You were... <laughs> Every problem away. Because now I can't do that. <laughs> but it just pisses me off now with this fucking disorder took my wife away from me. <laughs> but, you know, I would tell her, you know, I would try as hard as I can, but she's that type, and I'm sure a lot of you have uh, the same kind of spouse that they keep trying to plague you and get you going, and she would keep doing it, and, you know, she would sit there and I'll start crying like a little pussy and, you know, do anything she could, and I said, Michelle, I'm not going to fight with you. And I'm definitely not going to fight with you over something that's one-sided. This is something you're battling with yourself against me. And, of course, I would cry. I'm very emotional, especially when I already, you know, would already be in, a, in an upset mood. And I looked forward to hugging and cuddling with her for the night. And then something like this gets sprung on. And I'm like, great. Now my problems from earlier just, there goes my dream, my sense of reality that I always got the problems off my chest by cuddling with her and you know now this can't happen and then she would be like well why were you upset already what's the matter your little plan didn't go as planned your little girlfriend can't come around I said, no, Michelle, no I, I don't we sometimes we can't explain our moods sometimes it's chemical you know it's like when a woman's getting up her period you know you get moody and bitchy just sometimes it can bend the same way you just I don't know just and she's like, yeah, was you a little worried about your little girlfriend? I said, no, Michelle, I don't have any little girlfriend. So I have nothing to be worried about. I just I just needed somebody to cuddle with tonight, Michelle. And, of course, then she'd be like, oh, when she's mad and she can't cuddle with you tonight, was it her husband home? Or, you know, so Michelle, if you're going to keep saying stuff like that, I'm not even going to engage in a conversation with you. I'm just saying that. I was just really hoping to have a good night with you. And, of course, then she would be like, I don't want to have a good night with you, you scumbag. You know, I know you're doing shit behind my back and this and that. I said, listen, again, I'm not going to engage in a one-sided fight. This is something you're battling with yourself. I'll be here to answer any questions for you, talk to you. But I'm not doing anything. And this just really makes me upset because I was already having a rough day. And I just wanted to be with one person I thought I could always count on and of course then she'd bite onto that and say yeah I thought I could count on you too so I started figuring out you're doing shit behind my back and <clears throat> but my whole point is is try to hold your composure because I'll tell you there has been many 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 countless times that I was just getting ready to say you know what Ugh, fuck you you know and then all of a sudden she would walk away and come back out and actually say, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't act that way to you. And now I made you upset. I'm sorry. And if I had just, and if if I was just going to bite onto it like I was getting ready to, it would have ruined it for the whole night. You know, we would have both been arguing about something. But 
it's like I was already upset and I'm trying to hold it, trying to hold it. And there's been so many times, like I said, she went in the other room and I'm like, you know what, when she comes out, I'm just going to slam right back at her. And right before I could say anything, she'd come over and she's like, before you say anything, can I say something? I'd be like, what? And she'd come over and give me a hug and she's like, I love you. I'm sorry. I just don't want to lose you. I said, well, honey, you're not going to lose me. You know, the only way you're going to lose me is if you physically throw me away and get rid of me. And of course, that's what she's done. But I just want to advise anybody, hold your composure as much as you can. Try to hold it. End that argument. Let them be a one-sided battle. There may be some better advice somebody may be able to give you. But all I'm saying is I've had many times, and I mean countless times, that I was getting ready to be like, you know what? F you too. You want to take away my comfort for the night? I'm going to take yours away. And I didn't. And it turned out to be a great evening. She ended up cuddling up with me. And we got something off our chest. She got something off her mind. And it turned out to be a wonderful evening. So, you know, this episode is, like I said, just, you know, bite the bullet. And that's the biggest advice that I can give you. But anyways, so with that being said, give it a shot. Give it a try. What do you got to lose? You know what I mean? What do you got to gain? A wonderful night with your spouse. A wonderful night. A wonderful, wonderful night with your spouse. That, you know, otherwise could have taken a very sharp corner and just added on to the turmoil. So give it a shot. Like I said, you got nothing to lose. And as I always say, if you have somebody in your life with BPD, love them as much as you can and understand them as much as you can because they find it so hard to understand themselves and they find it so difficult to love themselves. So with that being said, have a happy relationship and have a happy life. And thank you again for listening. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.